0: Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are. Science in between. Science in between. This is Scott. This is Ollie.
1: Look at that. Yeah. Wow. That's, a, that's maybe our most professional opening ever.
0: Maybe. Well, except for that other one that was pretty good, too. But yeah. it's pretty good. I mean, it was solid. Yeah, we just we look yeah. self-congratulatory. You yeah,
1: know. well, that's yeah. what
0: makes it professional is when we are self-congratulatory. Said,
1: yeah, so we, po- we pause for a second and say, nailed it! Look,
0: look how great we are.
1: Yeah. So I think this week we're going to dig into at least the beginning part, of, uh, the in-between part, and then kind of jump into the science part of it. Oh, is and that what we're doing? Okay, I, I think so. Like the, like the
0: meta, I like the meta talk. Yeah, get, get everybody organized here before we get started.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's I I kind of believe that uh. The world works in these ways that like it bombards me with all of these inputs and all the stimuli. And when this st- stimuli starts to align, mm-hmm. then I go, oh, I need to check that out. Right. Yeah. And so,
0: you know, there's a, name, when, there's a name for that, you know,
1: what is the name for it? Zeitgeist. Oh, Okay. Well, period. I've heard that word, but I didn't know that was what this was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, you know, what happens with music? Sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's a Joni Mitchell. I heard another Joni Mitchell song. Then I'm just like bombarded with Joni Mitchell. And I'm like, okay, you know, nature's telling me I've got to listen to Joni Mitchell.
0: There it is. Well,
1: so in a pa- period of like two days, um, I had heard this tool referenced on Facebook and the news and everything chat. G P T.
0: Chat G P T. Get out there. Yeah. Find yeah. It. It'll be in the show yeah, notes.
1: Yes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. You 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 need to check this out. Um, if you're a teacher, well, if you're anybody, like anybody, you're a student, you're a teacher, you're just somebody who's interested in technology, anybody, you need to check this out if, because if you're a
0: human being.
1: If you're a human being, you need to check this out because it is uh both inspiring, awesome, and terrifying. All at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, so I'll tell you how how like what why I got intrigued. I was reading this new article in the New York Times last week, and and you know it's a, it's a chat bot. It's it's mm-hmm. built on art, artificial intelligence, and and they, they have multiple of these that have been out there in, in the wild that people can use. Um, but this is completely open source. It's free. You can just you know jump on there, and anybody can sign up for it. Um, it's free. You just have to log, create a login name. I think it tracks your, you know, interactions with it only so it can improve the artificial intelligence, like artificial intelligence works. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you are like if you don't like a response, you hit try again. Um, then it improves its response. And so, um, the New York Times article, uh was the one that just kind of like blew me away because this is this is what it asked it to do. Okay, and I'll have to read the response because this is the thing that made me go, oh, I've got to check this out. Uh, you just write a prompt and then you hit enter and in real time, it gives you a response. So this is the, uh, the author of, I think the author of the New York times article. This is the, uh, the response he, uh, actually it was somebody on Twitter. So sorry. Um, not the article, uh, not the person who wrote the New York times article. This pulled this from Twitter, right? Write a biblical verse in the style of the King James Bible right. explaining how to remove a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR. Yeah. Now that's a pretty bold.
0: you it's know, a weird prompt. one.
1: It is a weird, weird one. one. It's like, so I'll just read a couple you know, sentences from this because it's just so awesome. And it came to pass that a man was troubled by a peanut butter sandwich for mm. it had been p- placed within his VCR and he knew right. not how to remove it. Mm. And he cried out to the Lord saying, oh, Lord, how could I remove the sandwich from my VCR for it is stuck fast and will not budge? Yeah. I'm like, and it just keeps going, yeah. and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is a chatbot, and mm-hmm. it wrote that, and yeah. so, so I went on and and played for a while, yeah, and you yes, did you do. too, and I did, did too,
0: yeah, yeah, I did. After and and uh, you know where I heard about this was, um, well, besides from you is uh, Daring Fireball, which is a, um, a blog slash website run by john gruber and he he posted something about this and made some comments and linked to some of the articles including the new york times and and another article so yeah it's it's uh it's a fascinating thing and of course what i tried to do was type in asking it to explain sciencey things right so um uh i did the acorn to oak which is a phenomenon like how does an acorn become an oak tree um so I, I typed oh. typed that in to see like what how does it do for explaining a whole unit's worth of uh of curriculum for seventh grade uh here here in state college. And um that was interesting. Um but yeah, I mean I I want you to talk a little bit more about um like maybe what's one big Im- implication for you. What do you think is one important thing out of this? I mean, we can talk more detail about oh. what it does, but
1: yeah. So, um, so then, uh, right after the New York Times article, then I, I saw it on a friend of mine's Facebook post, and he's a teacher. He's a technology teacher, but he's also um, he's also somebody who's like on top of technology, right? And so he works in a K to twelve setting, and he's been trying to like get his the teachers in his building to be aware of this because that ultimately he's concerned that uh, some of the students going to go on there and say, write me a five paragraph essay about this. And it will do it. And so I, and I, so I did, I tried it and I went on, I said, write me a five paragraph essay. And I was showing it to my wife, who's a school counselor. And I said, on the importance of school counselors in high school settings, give me seven peer reviewed sources using AP citation. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. So it gave me a five paragraph essay, like in real time, I'm watching it type. Yeah. And then. In-text citation, all all correct. Mm. And then at the end, it gave me seven citations, one of which was a 2023, like, reference. Nice. So it was that up to date. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And then I hit try again because you can do this and it reloads. Sure, sure. And that gave me a completely different essay with seven different references. Wow. All right. And I'm like, oh my goodness, if yeah. we're going to ask for prompts like that, that you think, you know, is going to come from a student's brain, um, I think now we can, we're going to have to start wondering if that does, if it comes from a student's brain or it's coming from chat GBT, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the comparisons that I saw made to this in terms of education is. Um, the discussion around calculators and mathematics, right, which was like what do we do about p- kids using calculators in math because calculators do the math for them and and you know and there's there's obviously huge differences, right, like mathematics obviously is very systematic it's it's um it's a logical system um, and so therefore the answers there are correct answers which we can certainly get to in this, but there are not correct answers in the kind of things that chat uh, uh, gpt can um can do but i think it is this interesting question of what is this relationship between the capacities of a of a computing device and a human and how do we think about that in an educational context how do we decide how much these things get to get used or not and uh and another new york times piece that i'll connect this to that was i don't i think last week or I think it was last week, was about, um, it was a professor um, talking about how they use oral exams in right. their in their courses, right? And I, yeah. and I thought, I oh, that isn't that too. interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting in the context of this? Like, well, you can fake uh, a written exam, but it's, at least for now, very difficult to fake an oral exam. So is this going to return, you know, is there going to be a a technological push to get us back to more, um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it authentic, but you know, uh, oral examinations or other sorts of performance, uh, examinations that require students to, to do something, um, with the faculty member or some proctor there to see.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, that article itself, the one about the, uh, oral exams, it was, um, I didn't share it with anyone cuz I was like cuz the the, w- the way it starts with you know students are more stressed than ever they have more work than ever they have so many you know demands and all this one would say it's not the time to do oral exams but that's exactly the reason why we should <laughs> like how is that an argument it is not an argument at all like okay people are
0: you know well like- except except they go on to say that they see this as um preparing them for that stress in a controlled right. and scaffolded environment. Right. I mean that's their argument, right? Right. But,
1: but I, anyway. I I th- I think uh they're I think you're giving them a little bit more credit. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Uh, but we're not talking about that today.
1: Ray are not talking about that. We're talking about chat GPT. So I, I will say that like I've I've been you know talking to some of my colleagues about this and so one of them, friend of the show Leslie Gates, sent sent me an art uh, a blog that uh, Seth Godin I don't know who that is, but somebody.
0: Yeah, he's an author. Um, Yeah, but carry on. Yeah, he's 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 sort of a productivity slash biz dev, you know, guy who. Yeah. Anyway, you've I bet you've I bet you've heard of some of his books if we, we sought them out. But carry on. So he blogged about
1: this 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 weekend. So this is that whole, you know, here here's the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. Um so this is what Seth Godin says about it. Uh um it means ChatGPT means that uh creating huge amounts of mediocre material is easier than ever before. You mm-hmm. can write a bad Seinfeld script in about 6 minutes. It means mm-hmm. that assigning rudimentary essays in school or average copywriting at work is now a waste of time. But mostly it reminds us that attention and trust don't scale. If your work isn't more useful or insightful or urgent than GPT can create in 12 seconds, don't interrupt people with it. Technology begins by making old work easier, but then it requires that new work be better. And I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: yes. Yeah, that's but, in, that's interesting. But it also, for me, is a, it's a stopgap argument, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, the problem is right now chat gpt is a you know it's a um it's an algorithm that searches through all of whatever it's searching basically the internet and uses it that it actually generate. does
1: not do that it doesn't search the internet cuz i tried to do some stuff where well, it required do, well it does
0: when it builds the model what right. you're saying is when it's producing a new thing right. but but it to build the model what it's doing is looking for for example all the essays that have been posted about yeah. whatever the topic is and it's pulling all that in and ingesting it and organizing it and then um and then it's using a a, a predictive algorithm to sort of you know yeah. mush that stuff together so i mean for now we can <laughs> we can tell the difference between the mediocre and the not mediocre but um but the whole point of ai is that it learns yeah and it's so going to get it's better it's a question of <laughs> of time before, you know, we're going to be, you know, it's the Turing test in, in a different, um, in a different context. So for those of you who don't know what the Turing test is, this was Alan Turing famously set up this idea of, can we create a, an, a computer uh, uh, that will interact with humans in a way that humans can't tell it's a computer, right? So that was the Turing test. And, and so the chat, chat bots have been, working towards this and many have passed the Turing test. Now, I mean part of it is is a time limitation. It has to be for a certain amount of time or whatever. There's been contests, it's sort of like the big blues chess challenge thing. Yeah. But this I this evolving chess bot, which or or not sorry, chat bot, which chat GPT is is a continuation in that line, like all of them were designed to fool humans into thinking that the computer is a human. And uh, and this is just an evolution of that into a specific space, which is largely around, um, you know, educational. I mean, this is a hack for educational contexts in many respects. Oh, absolutely. Just as an aside, did you read the chess article
1: that was in the New York Times? Mm-mm. Oh, because that I mean that intersects with this because okay. um, there's this huge controversy in in chess competitions right now around cheating. And, oh, right, right, right. Sure. and, and the, there one person who just won a pretty big victory, um, is being accused of, of, of cheating and using artificial intelligence and algorithms to, to do predictive analysis on what the best moves are mm-hmm. while doing competitions. And, mm-hmm. and they, they don't know exactly how he's done it in face to face competition, but he, they think he is. And, and so. Yeah, there's a whole, you know, that opens up a whole nother
0: thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think all of this all of this gets to this relationship between computational devices and humans and how yeah. we view that relationship in educational context, right? Because one thing that's happened, you know, to go to the theme of this show, um, over the last three years is that our educational environments have become much more intensely computational. Absolutely. Like many, many, many schools now are in some version of one-to-one as a result of the pandemic. So either kids have their own computers and they're allowed to use them, or the school is providing them with computers like Chromebooks or some sort of you know lightweight computing device. Um and as computing devices get more environmentally embedded and and contextual and small, right? the the relationship between humans and and computing devices is going to get more and more complicated right i mean it's gonna be and it's gonna be much harder to um to to cut away and and evaluate the human without the computational device and i and another thing that it gets to for us i think is this is this idea of you know communal thinking so in science classrooms do we really want individuality is that the end goal is to measure and focus on individual performance versus the community and i think you know this this goes exactly to that thing especially if you take a sort of actor network theory notion that computational devices and other devices in the environment are part of that community right that they are active agents in that community and increasingly computational devices are active agents in those communities
1: yeah and i think what what we have to do as as teachers is really think about how how we want to assess students how we want to build classroom environments that i mean because i think that the wrong approach would be just to ban it right it's just to say wow well, we're going to take all the technology put them in a box and you sure. know and lock them up because i think that's um i i i never i i bristle all the time whenever i hear people wanting to ban things as mm-hmm. the, as because i think the 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 better approach is always to talk about it in context and and really talking about you know the benefits and also the the challenges and I know that's that's idealistic but I think that's the approach I've taken throughout like my thirty plus years of teaching is not to ban stuff just outright but to really talk about you know the affordances of this and this there are affordances for tools like J- ChatGPT but I think it, what it causes us to do is as as educators is to to consider different ways or better ways of it because if you are you know, if your assessment questions can be answered by chat GPT,
0: then maybe you're asking the wrong questions. Well, yeah, I think I think I would even push beyond that to say what does it actually mean to ask a questions in an assessment in an environment where chat GPT exists? I mean that the question is, do this this for me pushes us even more into the idea that what we really need in education is authentic context, right? We want kids to be working in environments and we talk about that all the time, but you know, every time you try and, and isolate the person Because you and and all this comes down to, again, I mean, I hate to harp back to this, but it comes back to these equity issues. Right. So we're going to isolate the person because we want to know their value. Right. If we're talking about assessment and evaluation, I want to know Ollie's value. And the only way I can know Ollie's value is independent of everything. Right. Independent of other kids in his class, independent of any computational device he might be using, independent of any notes or other aids he might use to help in his in his thinking. And that is for me, where the, where this, where the crazy lies, right? Is it's not to your point about like banning things. It's, 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 it's a question of we're banning things with the goal of trying to isolate the person from everything in their environment. Right. And that's not the way humans work. We interact with our environment and other people in our environment constantly. And that's how we learn and grow and, And practice everything. So this idea of like, oh, we must isolate the individual to understand their contribution. I, I just like at some point that notion has to break down under its own weight, and we have to say like, this is an insane way to operate schools. Yeah, it's like when uh, I, you know, I first started teaching. I had some,
1: you know, some of my colleagues who were like, we, we should not allow students to use calculators. Right. Because sure. that their argument was at the time, well, you're not always going to have a calculator on you, right? If you, all you have to do is go to Home Depot and any Saturday <laughs> afternoon, and right. you see people walking around with their phones, you know, doing you mm-hmm. know multiplication, like yeah. they're going, okay, I need this many bags right. of topsoil right. for this, and then calculate square footage
0: of my deck, and here's how many boards right. I need to, yeah.
1: Whatever. I yeah. mean, it's and they're using their phone. So the this argument, this like really straw man argument that, oh, you're never gonna be in an environment where you're gonna you're gonna have a uh you know, a calculator at your disposal. Well, yes, we are. We're at that point, you know. Right. So um, I think the better thing is for us to is to consider how we we work, like you're saying, work in environments like that and ask better questions and and personalize the assessments. I think, you know, for me, I was thinking about some of the assessments It made me really think about some of the assessments I gave this past fall. Um, and and I think maybe it's easier for some of my classes because I'm I'm working with pre-service teachers who are actually out in schools and I'm having them them analyze things that they've done in practice, Mm. in their classrooms, in their context with their students. And so it lends itself to more of a, you know, a personal reflection, something that, you know, I mean, maybe it can, I don't want to use the term gamed because it's,
0: it, 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 um, because I think, I think that game, t- I, can't, I think game isn't okay to describe it all right well I I yeah.
1: I, 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 I come I wondering a little bit about it is it is it gaming it I mean if um I mean certainly I wouldn't want them to come to chat Gbt and like put in the the prompts and say do and then just copy and paste um and I think that if students were doing that I think I'd have a better idea because it wouldn't be um it wouldn't be personal. It wouldn't be their personal reflections. It would be something that would be much more. Because I tried to. Here's the things that ChatGPT does not do well with. It, if you put in like I, because I, I tried this, I said, mm-hmm. you know, what what is Oliver Drayon's contributions to teaching, service, and scholarship? Because I'm up for five year re- review, and I'm yeah, like, all sure. right, <laughs> you know what? And and it came up with, uh, it cannot answer the question. Yeah. Because it, one, it couldn't search the internet and two, it doesn't do opinion.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So that's opinion.
1: It doesn't do opinion.
0: It won't. But is that opinion, right? Or is that any more opinion than so many other questions that you're asking it, right? Right. I mean, we certainly in academia argue, I'm on the, I'm on the college promotion and tenure committee right now. We argue that we have a, we have a standard. We, right. we use a standard to judge your contribution when we do that kind of work. So it's not, I mean, I don't think that people on the college P&T committee would say it's their opinion. They might say it's an informed decision that's evidence-based, but um, but is to some degree subjective. But I certainly don't think they would say it's an opinion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But I understand if you're a computer scientist, you probably do think of it as an opinion. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think I think it's fascinating um, to think about what these what these tools can and should do in our lives and and what the reaction from us as as human beings should be in terms of educational context. But uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: So I just did it right right now. So while while you whilst we, you were talking, whilst. I whilst you were talking, I typed in why is Scott McDonald awesome.
0: Oh. Did it talk about the Australian footballer because that's what usually happens.
1: Uh no. no? It it apologized. It said oh. I'm I'm sorry, but I am I'm not able to provide personal opinions or information about specific individuals. Hmm. As a large language model trained by OpenAI, my function is to assist with general information and answer questions to the best of my ability based on my training. Hmm. If you have a question about a specific topic, I would be happy to help with that.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean for me, going back to your point about like what's what might be an interesting use of this in an assessment, you know, give a prompts, like let's say I'm a I'm a history teacher or even a science teacher. Right. Um, and you want, so, um, what was Jesse Owens impact on, on, um, us foreign policy, right? So have chat GPT generate three different versions of the answer to that question. And now I'm going to give those to my students and say, tell me which one of these you think is the strongest answer to that Uh, question and why because That's I think great. because I think one of the things you see like I saw it was in a different article where they this guy did a chat GPT and uh, on it was about Hobbes and Locke like the philosophers Hobbes and Locke about government and it was for her high school government class and put it in and the first thing that chat GPT came up with was actually wrong he said this is incorrect because it what it's doing is it's scraping um all these, homework assignments that it finds online and amalgamating them. And Hobbes and Locke appear so often together in the same essay that it basically mixed their Uh, ideas together into one set of ideas and um, wasn't able to differentiate between the two. So I think, you know, but as an outsider who doesn't know anything about that sort of, you know, governmental philosophy, you know, um, I wouldn't have known that. But if you're taking a class on government, well, you should know that. You should know actually Hobbes said this and Locke said this. Like Hobbes, Hobbes was yeah. a, a fan of the, you know, the monarchy and Locke, I may be getting this wrong. Locke was the division of power person. And um but I think that that idea of like, okay, Ch- Chat GPT is gonna it's gonna produce stuff that's not right, or at least is is um incomplete and messy, right? Because of the way it operates, <clears throat> um, so give students that as a as a reflective task,
1: and and so that le- leads into a blog post that that I wrote recently about this. Um, oh, and bad. it wasn't about the it wasn't about the tool. I think I'm going to do that down the road, but I was talking about using the tool. And the question I gave it was this: What is the most important aspect of being an effective teacher?
0: Mm, interesting. Okay.
1: All right. and yeah. so what I did was i I wanted to see what the first response was going to be, and then I wanted to see if it gave different responses as I hit try again. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'll, we can we can put a link to this in the show notes. But uh the first response, and these are short little paragraphs, yeah. um, was the most important aspect of being an effective teacher is a deep commitment to student success. Right. That was the first All right. response. All right. So, and then it, it provided like three or four yeah. more sentences. I won't need to read all that. The second response was the most important aspect of being an effective teacher is a commitment to student learning and success. Oh. So, it's better to define what yeah. success was.
0: Yeah.
1: So, the third response was the most important aspect of being an effective teacher is having a passion for teaching and a commitment to student success.
0: Mm, but learning got dropped. Learning got dropped. So, we added passion. And learning got dropped. Interesting. All right, Fourth. Four. Fourth. Drummond, the most important please.
1: aspect of being an effective teacher is having a deep understanding and knowledge of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. So drop students, yeah. at least in that opening sentence. I mean, yeah. it comes out a little bit more. Um, but that's the that's where it, you know, it yeah. puts its flag in subject matter knowledge. Yep. and then the last one that I, I I did was the most important aspect of being an effective teacher is having a deep knowledge and understanding of the subject matter. But then it goes on to talk about inclusive classroom environments and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting the evolution it took over the course of it. Now I just shared those in this this re- recent post. Down the road, I'm going to analyze it. My next blog post, the one I'm going to do after mm-hmm. this one, is going to analyze that and talk about the evolution a little bit. And but I, but I think that. You know, I could see a um, an activity where I go, here are the five things that ChatGPT, you mm-hmm. know, offered. Produced, yeah. Produced. Which one do you most align with or, you know, uh, have them analyze, yeah. you know. How would, what, how would you
0: critique the, these responses?
1: How would you critique it or, you know, um, use this to form your own
0: mm-hmm.
1: or what did they miss? Well, there's yeah. a, like a ton of questions that you sure. can ask from this. And I think that's the the type of thing that we have to start to think about is rather than you know saying okay hey we're gonna talk to the the tech director in our district and and block ChatGPT you know from right. like so use the internet filter to block it um, yeah.
0: No, I mean, I think if anything, this this is another brick in the wall of argument for why practices are the most important thing that should be happening in school, because individual pieces of content, knowing the difference between Hobbes and Locke and their perspectives on government is not the thing that we want kids to learn that just isn't. So when we accept that and accept all the consequences of that, then we say, look, it isn't about, it isn't about those things. It's maybe about the big ideas. We've talked about that in, you know, NGSS language. Um, But certainly it is about practices. It is about Um, however you want to describe that habits of mind. It is about learning how to think, and and training yourself how to think because that's really what you're doing to your brain is you're, you know, you're re- every time you do these practices, you're reorganizing your brain. You're making it in into a particular kind of brain. And doing that is important to do because we need people that can think. Um, increasingly, we need people who can think because computers are going to start getting better and better at it. And at some point, you know, it's going to be challenging to to know when it's a computer and when it's a person and how to differentiate those things. And we're already there, really. I mean, you know, some of the AI art, like there's so many tools out there now that are just sort of freely available to fiddle with. Um, It does start to push on these notions of like, what is human creativity? What is our function in the world? Um, Because human creativity is really but as is, is founded on the idea of making connections between existing things for the most part to create something that is new while computers are getting really good at that yeah. and and, and uh, my my daughter as an artist
1: uh bristles at that she you yeah. know she is like understandably this, yeah because it's like taking other people's art and just like putting it in a big you know cement mixer and just coming out with something new yeah and and it's just completely automated and you can just hit you know, remix, 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 and it comes. Yeah, yeah, and but and you you know, there's some art student someplace who's handing that work in, just like there's some you know English student someplace or some you know science
0: student someplace who's handing in the five paragraph essay that's written by ChatGPT. Right. But this, I mean, uh, to, to stay with the art for a second, I mean, then you can look at people like Marcel Duchamp and, and that sort of lineage of people who are like, oh, I'm going to take a urinal, hang it on the wall and say, this is not a pipe. And, and now I've created art and, and people say, well, that's not art. And, and, and so there, there is this other, you know, the other side of this that like that in many respects is what, what artists do is they take culture and they put it into a cement mixer and they produce something. And so, um, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting dilemma that we're in. And, and I think it, you know, again, it's true for so many aspects of human life now. Um, but it, it, (laughs) you know, we, we, we thought we had this, this like little island where we could not be invaded by computers. Um, and increasingly that island is getting flooded. Um, so you have to start to look around and say, well, what's left for us? Like, what can we do that, that is a, is a, a valued contribution to the way the world
1: operates? So here's, here's what I did. I, and this show is kind of like taking a little bit different turn than I thought it might, but, um, I, I, Prepared a little bit for the show by oh. going in the chat. GPT. I love the ones.
0: I love the ones when you prepare. I, I <laughs> yeah. I love I love the ones that you prepare. <laughs> yeah. Well, when have there been those? I don't know. You should let me know.
1: So I I I wrote out a few questions that I had already given it just to make sure that I didn't get any of those. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Ollie. I can't I'm do sorry, that. Sorry, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, just like you know, what, what was that? Uh, um, I'm sorry, Hal. I'm sorry, Hal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not. I'm sorry, Hal, because Hal's the. Uh, oh, that's right. It's, the yeah. computer. What's it, what? Who is it? Was oh, it? Was it gosh.
1: Dave? Was it Dave? Dave. That's it, Dave. And, uh, I'm sorry,
0: Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't, I can't do, that. do that. Yeah.
1: So I didn't want to get those responses. So here, oh. here are the ones I I threw in, and these are ones that were kind of related to the show. Um, was meant by the phrase ambitious science teaching. Well, all right uh can all students learn science Ooh. uh why is inquiry important in science education Just threw that Mm. out there. Drawing on the work by John Dewey, what role does perplexity play in science education? Oh, that was a pretty specific one. All right. It was very specific. Uh, How are art education and science education similar?
0: Oh, hello, Leslie Gates.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How can Vygotsky's work inform teaching? Uh, All right. And does research show a benefit to using standardized tests?
0: Oh, all right. So we can't cover all those for we can't sure. cover all of
1: it but so i so pick I tried... one
0: that you really like the answer for that's what i want to hear
1: all right so i'm gonna do uh how are art and science related art education and science for education okay related. okay so you're not
0: you're not just pandering to our audience of one oh yeah. no okay. right, i just was enough. like
1: like literally i was just standing here i i have spent more time way
0: with too Ch- much time me and T-T. chat
1: gpt became really close friends this weekend <laughs> you know so there was it, it may have of- a
0: different answer to who is ollie Dreon and what's right. his impact then. <laughs>
1: yes and why we say hi ollie how are you it's good to see you again i've missed you so
0: okay. <laughs> shall we play a game
1: <laughs> yeah we're yeah we're not here all right so i just hit the hit it and now it's if you haven't been on ChatGPT yet, what it, basically what it does, it's like you're watching somebody type in real time. So it's like click, 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 click. OK, so it just finished. It's paragraph response. OK, um, art education and science education may seem like vastly different fields, but they actually have some similarities. Both art and science involve the pursuit of knowledge and understanding of the world around us, but also involve the use of critical thinking and problem solving skills to explore and analyze information. Additionally, both art and science can involve the creation of new ideas and theories, as well as testing and experimentation necessary to evaluate these ideas. Overall, while art and science may approach the pursuit of knowledge in different ways, they both share a common goal of advancing our understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. All right. I will say that's one of the things when you get too a little generic,
0: but okay, it is. <laughs>
1: but I mean, that's that is the thing that you know, you is once you spend some time with it, it's very formulaic. Um, right. they, they end at every like in conclusion, conclusion yep. you know, overall, you know, yep. in summary, those types of, I mean, they're tr- transitional phrases, but they are like ones that have no, um, there's, it's, it's, it's very robotic uh, yeah. and, but, but again, it's going to get better at that. Right now, this is something I could hit try again. And let's see if it gives it like a, a vastly different response when I hit try again. And again, I'll I'll let go. Click, 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 click,
0: click, click, click.
1: So I will say it didn't do something drastically different. Um, It actually starts very similar. While art and science uh, education may seem like very different fields, they actually uh, have some important similarities. Both art and science education involve the study of a specific subject matter. Both require critical Mm. thinking and problem-solving skills. Mm. So it got worse a little bit. Yeah. And then it throws it. Yeah. But then it talks both can inspire creativity and innovation. Additionally, both art and science education can help students develop important life skills, such as communication, collaboration and critical Mm. thinking is like. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so um, but the first time I gave this response over the weekend it nailed it. Like it did a really good job about focusing it on practice and mm. talked about the practices of science and the practices of art. And I was like, Oh, this is great. So it doesn't always get the same response. Um, right. Cause it's like just combing, you know, yeah. a database of, of billions and billions of. Yeah. I mean, it's a
0: probabilistic model, right? It's, it's mixing things in ways that it thinks um, make sense based on their, the algorithm that it's been given. Right. So it's, um, So it's always going to give you a slightly different cocktail of stuff. Sure. That, um, I
1: like that. The cocktail of stuff. Cocktail of <laughs> so stuff. Sometimes you get like an old fashioned and sometimes you get something that's like some, undrinkable.
0: Some, right.
1: Yeah. 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 So, okay. Uh, drawing on the work of John Dewey, what role does perplexity play in science education? So let's, it's, it's, it's working. Give it a it's second. It's working. Yeah. it's it's got to go to space. Give it a second. Yeah. It's, it's. And And I'm not using a robotic voice, but uh, John Dewey, an American philosopher and educational reformer, believed that perplexity or the state of being unsure or uncertain plays a crucial role in science education. According to Dewey, when faced with a new or complex problem, students will often experience a sense of perplexity, which can motivate them to seek out new information and engage in active learning. This process of grappling with perplexity, according to Dewey, is an essential part of the scientific process and can help students develop critical thinking and problem solving skills. And this way, Dewey argued that perplexity is not just an obstacle to be overcome in science education, but rather an important opportunity for learning and growth.
0: There you go.
1: Pretty solid. Yeah. I think if I got that response from a student, I'd be like, yeah, they nailed it.
0: Yeah. Well, and probably the level of specificity helps, right, in the sense that by calling on, calling out, whatever you want to say, John Dewey specifically, and that concept specifically, it allows them, allows the chatbot the ai to focus more it's it's sort of body that it collects yeah. its information to form the answer from right when you ask a really broad question like the relationship between art and science that that has to gloss at a bigger level so they, probably to some degree <clears throat> there's a sweet spot in chat GPT that's, you know, can't be as specific as like Ali Dreon and his contribution to Millersville in terms of teaching research yeah. and scholarship, but also shouldn't be like, what's the relationship between science and art? Because you, what you want is somewhere in between, maybe some of these other ones that you've talked about where you've got APA citations where you're like, you know, what's, what's the relationship between, you know, Toulmin's, argumentation framework and somebody else's you know um extension of that work like that you might actually get something that sounds more legitimately human because it has it can narrow you know it's probably a a, the search size optimization to some degree
1: and it's not giving like generics like it's not throwing out critical thinking problem solving which are these like you know they're so ill-defined terms, yeah. like, Emotion's I mean, blobs. right. That it's like, we're just going to throw that in as filler, which, you know, you hear from students all the time. And I think chat GPT is doing it too. You know, it's like, oh, the importance, you know, of the four C's, you know, creativity, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. It's just like, blah, you know? Yeah. Um, so you want, you want to, you want to do one more just for funsies? Cause I, I think, you know, I think it's valuable for folks to see how quick this happens yeah
0: well and i think also it's valuable to like you said play with this on your own because i think here you know seeing the questions that you ask that you think oh i got this like i'm going to ask a question it's it's not going to be able to answer it like it's a little stunning the sort of things that it comes up with now i agree the more that you do it the more you see the pattern right that it has this structure to its responses in a lot of ways but takes a while, and even then, even seeing the pattern you you just see it as well, we teach that pattern, right the five paragraph essay and the you know the opening thesis statement and the in conclusion paragraph and the whole like i mean we that's what genre is in writing, right we teach it to kids, so um you know dissertations have five chapters yeah. right i mean it's like yeah. like there are patterns to this stuff, and it's all it's doing is taking those patterns and and using them against us to some degree.
1: All right. So I the here's the last one. I, I threw at the the Vygotsky question. How okay. can Vygotsky's work in, in form teaching? All right. So says Lev Vygotsky was a Russian psychologist who developed the idea of the zone of proximal development, which suggests that learning is most effective when it's tailored to an individual's current level of understanding. According to Vygotsky, the zone of proximal development is the range of abilities that a person can perform with the help of a teacher or more knowledgeable peer. By providing support and guidance within this zone, teachers can help students learn new skills and concepts more effectively. Vygotsky's work can inform teaching in a number of ways. For example, his ideas about the zone of proximal development can help teachers create lessons and activities that are tailored to the specific needs and abilities of their students. This can involve providing scaffolding or temporary support to help students learn new skills and then gradually reducing that support as students become more confident and independent. Additionally. Vygotsky's emphasis on the importance of social interaction and learning can encourage teachers to create a collaborative and supporting learning environment in their classrooms. Overall, Vygotsky's work can help teachers understand how best to support and facilitate their students' learning and development.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not bad. There's some not bad wonky bits in there. But, yeah, I mean, right. again, it's, if, it's, if it came from one of my students in, in my learning theories class, would I say at least this person's got the big notions? Got the big yep. ideas. Yep. Yeah, I
1: think where where it it talks about the social interaction, but it doesn't like it doesn't focus in on that. And then it then it seems to at the end shift back to like more general. Like it's mm-hmm. like and and so it, it's it's that you know ballet between the specific and the general that I think mm-hmm. it it has trouble with. You know, because mm-hmm. it seems to be going down a line where you think it's going to like continue on the social interaction part, and it's just like. Nah, we're gonna do it i'm i'm checking out i've given you my i've given you my two paragraphs i'm done right. Yeah,
0: yeah well i mean i think it's a it's an interesting evolution i mean and certainly this is something we've been seeing coming down the pipe right like that for at least as long as we've had computers but certainly in and in some cases predating computers right i mean there's lots of science fiction writers who've written versions of this future history, um, that where computers become smarter than us. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating and what it means for education is, um, is something that really we're not grappling with, right? Like we still are clinging to these old assessment models. And it, for me, this, that's what I see this as more than anything is a really clear, you know, used to be like, oh, well, we, we have these systems. I don't know if Millersville has this, but Penn State has a system where I can take a, a student's essay and upload it and right. it'll check to see whether that it, it's, you know, um, if, if the student's been copying things off the Internet. Right. If it's plagiarism. But these things generate unique answers each time. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that the text in them is unique. So I don't know what happens if you take chat GPT answers and load them into that system to see if they're recognized as that or not in the system but um but again like think about that as a craziness like you you have you have students generating answers using chat gpt and then faculty loading those answers into an ai to determine whether they're their ai answers like it's it really the the sort of circular logic of the whole thing starts to really feel crazy
1: all right. so No, I don't she,
0: want to do another one.
1: No, I didn't do another one. What I did while you were t- talking about that, I was like, I haven't done the plagiarism checker. Oh. Let's do it right now. Okay. Right, so I took the paragraph that uh, – because all this stuff is like yeah. right here, right? Yeah. So I took it the Grammarly, yeah. which um, I, I took that two-paragraph thing it wrote about Bogotsky, and no plagiarism found.
0: hmm There you go.
1: You know, it had some grammar and some punctuation and writing issues. Uh huh.
0: Suggestions to yes. improve the quality of the writing. R-
1: right. It, uh, cause it had some, uh, adjusting the tone of the writing. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it, it made that sort of advice, but it found no plagiarism. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to give it another one. Okay. Yeah. I just, but I I hadn't thought about the, like, the plagiarism. You know, piece of it. Right. Would would plagiarism checker because I use like I our LMS uses Turnitin, and yeah, so, so I, it's it's like the default. Like so, if if uh, students uh, um, submit the assignment, it automatically goes through. Um, turn, turn it, it, it in. in. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if if it got submitted by one of your students, like would turn it in, catch it. Because I don't know Grammarly versus Turnitin in terms of yeah. the the algorithm that it uses or how it does that work. Right, but. Yeah. Well. Wow. There we are. There we are. Look at us. I think I know what your joy is for this week, though.
1: (laughs) No, it is actually not. I. Yeah. I have been Uh, watching. It's just. It's getting. I made friends
0: with an AI. That's my. (laughs) That's my joy for the week.
1: I. I have a new friend. Chatty. (laughs) Chatty.
0: Chatty Chatty chatbot. Chatty Chatty, G. Chatty,
1: Chatty G. Eddie, DJ
0: <laughs> DJ Chatty G,
1: yes, that's oh ooh,
0: rap lyrics. Oh, that yes. that's what we need to do. Oh, write me a rap about uh, about
1: science education.
0: There oh. you go. Oh my god. Oh, how I bet it would do it. Oh, I bet I'm it would. Sure do it. would do it, and I'm sure it would make us sad.
1: I don't even. I like. I All closed right. it down. I didn't want to. I'll, okay. I'll, after the show, you'll I'll do, do
0: it. You and Chatty will get together Let after and Chattie. write a rap, and we can put it in the show notes if if you <laughs> think it's appropriate.
1: Yes, I could do it like write me uh, a a christmas based science oh. Oh, you could do a- like anything which uh, is bananas absolutely bananas actually, I have different joys that it that would okay. not involve uh because you know it's getting dark earlier it's getting cold in in north uh the northeastern United States, so this is like really where I get caught up on lots of television watching and so yeah you know and so my-, my wife and I have been you know catching up on some series that we were. And so I'm just going to pick one that we just finished um, Wednesday uh, on on Netflix. Um, It is not for everyone. I'll say that um, because it's kind of like uh, it's like a YA soap opera. So I need to put Mm. that out there. It's very soapy, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I I would say it's like it's like dark shadows. You remember that old? Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. Because it has this uh this air of horror and and all this it's based on the the Adams family um mm-hmm. so it takes Wednesday Adams and sends her to a boarding school um and you know there she's with other outcasts so like werewolves and sirens and all these other you know characters that exist in that horror genre um and so uh she's there and there's a a monster loose mm-hmm. And so, um, it's, it, I, it's a Tim Burton
0: yeah. production. There you so go, he's course.
1: the, and it's a beautiful, like the costume design is amazing. So many like really cool details are like, you know, awesomely done. Um, it does get a little like kind of saccharine at parts and a little soapy, you know, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you are parts you laugh at cause you're like, uh, you know, yeah, I won't get into all the details with that. But there, there are parts that you'll just laugh at and just go, oh, and, and a little cringy. No. Um, but I don't know if I'm the target audience. I mean, I think we're the target audience as parents of the kid who are the target audience, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like our kids are the target audience, but they're, they're thinking we're going to watch it with them because there are lots of places where if you grew up with the Adams family – that they're like jokes that you and I are going to get that our gotcha. kids are not going to get, you know, yeah. and it's, it's well cast. Um, Like I said, it's beautiful. There's a, what's making its way around like Instagram and everything is this dance, this dance that Wednesday does. That's just beautiful and awesome. And if you were, you know, a, a goth kid or an emo kid of the eighties, you know, you're, it's going to warm your heart. Yeah. Yeah. So of course Wednesday on Netflix nice yeah
0: All right um so mine is uh is the World Cup soccer yeah um it's you know it's been uh for those of you who are not football fans as as everybody in the world calls it except Americans um this has been a really fascinating World Cup. Um, lots of major upsets. Ali and I are in a pool together, um, and everybody's pool has just been demolished. I mean, it is <laughs> yeah. Like Mine Brazil. was like like
1: two weeks ago. It was yeah. like ah, oh!
0: Brazil was everybody's favorite to win, and they lost, and you know Spain lost, and uh, you know. England's out. Like so, a lot of the teams that people were expecting to move on um, got eliminated. But there've been some fascinating stories, and it's it's like any of these things, like the Olympics. It's just like there's always stories that emerge in these yeah. events that you don't expect, and characters, quote unquote, like members of teams who who are relatively unknown or completely unknown before these events, and then suddenly come to prominence through these events, which is I just think is fascinating. Um, And it's and, you know, the reason they play the games is because you don't know how they're going to turn out. And so um, thinking that Brazil is going to win because Brazil has been the most dominant team in in the world for, well, for a long time, but certainly recently, um, you know, just didn't work out that way. And and the match that I'm most interested in that's coming up is between Morocco and France, because. France is a former colonizer of Morocco right. and now they're going to be competing in the World Cup against each other. I mean, I just think that that's it's such a fascinating uh, thing. So anyway, I know I, I, in many respects, I'm not a sports person, but when it comes to football, uh, I am a bit of a sports fan and... Boy, the World Cup is really delivering this year. So that, so if you haven't been watching, there's matches Tuesday and Wednesday this week, which is um, December 13th and 14th. And then the finals is coming up on this Sunday. Um, but, you know, I realize this is time sensitive. If it's not, just start watching World Cup whenever you hear this, like whether that's Women's World Cup, which is coming up soon. It's right hot yeah. on the heels of the men's and the U.S. obviously is great there. So um, lots of chances for the U.S. to go far in that tournament. But so much just joy and pain and awesomeness uh, with, with stuff like the World Cup. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, my my pool has been decimated for for weeks. So yeah. uh... Yeah, yeah.
0: What are you gonna do? That's the way it yeah. works, you know. Yeah. Some you, some you look, dark horse you, is gonna win this thing, and you know, come out of nowhere because they picked you know Croatia to win it all, and you're like, wait a minute, what?
1: What, what yeah. yeah, yeah, That that that's probably what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I look at like like uh, we don't need to get into the pool. No, but we're I not gonna get into the pool. My possible points yeah. left are like yeah, not many. very not many. I I yeah. can't. There's no chance for me to win. Yeah. So, oh yeah. well. It happens.
0: It does happen. It was it
1: was a good ride. It was a good ride.
0: Yeah, it was fun.
1: So I should have right, asked chat GPT who would have won the World Cup. Mm, well, that that would says it.
0: it doesn't do opinions. It does not. No. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll catch you next time. Journey into chat GPT. And well, yeah, mm. we'll catch you next time in between.
1: See you then. Bye now. Bye now.